0: Welcome back to Fast Forward. We're at the beginning of a new week, and I'm still anxiously waiting to hear word from my solicitor about uh, my up and coming house purchase. For anyone who's uh, been in this position, when you're just a day or two away from completing and exchanging on your house, the anxiety levels are normally through the roof. So um, hopefully, you'll bear with me today. If only they. Uh, The house buying process could take a leaf out of the online retail experience for a more seamless digital experience. Um, And that's actually what we're going to talk about today. Online retail is big business and it is continuing to grow. And building an e-commerce business is far more than choosing a brand name and selling products online. Like in the world of bricks and mortar, if you build something, there is no guarantee that they will come. Even the biggest and best businesses can flop. So consumers in the UK are spending more online than ever before. Despite the headlines, the high street isn't actually dying. Instead, it's going through an evolution. With me today is an entrepreneur whose platform is disrupting the e-commerce model. I have with me today, Sean Brown, founder of Macarto.
1: Hi. I. <laughs> I just want to start by saying I really appreciate your segue from house buying process, wanting a seamless process, into e-commerce.
0: Thank you. And Thank if you. any solicitors are listening, they should. <laughs> <take care. laughs> but it is an incredibly stressful experience. But most of the things that we buy online don't seem to involve that amount of money and decision making and impact on our lives. But um, they are just as important, um, Sean. And I know you have quite a lot of strong feelings about. How to um, build um, successful businesses online, and we're going to we're going to talk through that today. Um, but let's start with you and, and Macarto. I've seen it evolve over the last twelve months here uh, on campus at UK Fast, and it continues to stagger me. And I think of the the statement that you often hear people say, "Oh, Ma- Manchester, we do things differently here." I think you embody that in the way that you've been building uh, your business. So. Let's start with telling us a bit about Mercato and what it does or what it is.
1: Um, So, yeah, I'd say that Mercato came from the idea of um, I wanted to sell something online and I didn't think about the process of trying to find products and then getting those products in and then storing the products and then listing them on a website and then after listening on the website, delivering the products and then handling the returns from a disgruntled customer, handling the disgruntled customer, mm. and then um, and everything that would cost. So when I went into the world of e-commerce, the first time actually I went into the e-commerce world was about 2012, it was around the Olympics, I set up a fitness store um, and I learned the really hard way of what it was like to set up an e-commerce store.
0: And why did you do that? What, what made you set that one up in 2012?
1: So um, I worked for quite a big um, British entrepreneur um, as his private dive instructor on his super yacht Mm -hmm. and uh, it was well like kind of on downtime, um, not downtime underwater but downtime just relaxing on the boat with him. I was chatting to him about what I wanted to do that I really liked the e-commerce world and he was a retailer. So he inspired me about his story to then just go to China, get some products and then start reselling them.
0: Was that the bones of your chat on the boat? What's stopping you?
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, okay, I quit. And then uh, he used the money I made from working for him to um, design these kind of BOSU balls, which are like half gym balls, which um, were already around. But then I put resistance bands on the side of them. So Mm I turned them into like almost like a really cheap workout machine, um, but well built. Uh, at least I thought. So I sent these designs off to multiple different manufacturers in China and then uh, one picked it up and says, yeah, we can produce these minimum order quantity of like, I think a thousand. And it was like £32 per unit. I got him down to like £22 per unit. So it's a huge investment for me to be able to make. Um, But at the time it was like, this is what I've got to do to set up an e-commerce store. I've got to get the stock in. So then... Um, I was like, "Yeah, fine, go go ahead with it." And then I made the, the bank transfer, a load of money out of my my bank account to go and get this uh, these products. About two months later, I was like, "Hey, uh, like, <laughs> where's my products?" And he says, "Oh, that have you not sorted sorted them out yet? Have you not got them yet?" I said, "No," and they were in a shipping container in Shanghai, <laughs> um, like waiting to be picked up. I says, why haven't you sent them to me? And it's like, this isn't Amazon, dude. Like, you've <laughs> got to actually arrange a shipping agent to get the products to you. So I was like, what? And so I, I, in all my, like, very naive uh, 20-year-old, 21-year-old business plan, I, um, like, had no costs adjusted for, um, yeah. like, import. Like, so yeah. at the actual shipping of the product, I thought it just came <laughs> with the base price of the product. So then I had to get this container shipped over to the UK and I had to work with uh, like shipping agent to get it on a, a, a big Costco um, uh, ship. And it was the Costco Yantian, I remember it. And, that, <laughs> and I was literally like watching it on like uh, Ship Tracker, watching it come across the whole world. And then it got to um, Southampton, and then I had to pay import
0: mm-hmm. tax.
1: And I had no clue what that was. And then I had to pay for an Arctic to go down to Southampton, Pick up, this is a separate contract now Pick up the shipment and bring it to my mom's house How,
0: a massive, how did she go?
1: One of the massive artists So mum, uh, can I usually get the garages to store these products I'm going to go into the world of fitness gear And she's like, uh, yeah sure <laughs> This massive arctic lorry turned up And he was like, where shall I put them? <laughs> I was like, On the drive dude, I don't know And then, um, so then they had to carry them one by one down to the garage, which weirdly was down the bottom of the garden and filled up this garage. Uh, it was a big garage, filled it up massive. And, uh, yeah, uh, for, wow, now I need a website to sell them on. (laughs) So that was just... (laughs) So you hadn't
0: even built anything or...
1: No, because like self-serve websites like Wix or Shopify or anything like that didn't really exist. Or at least I couldn't, I didn't see them at that time. Um... And then, uh, so I built it myself, built like little checkout and tried to market it. And it was a bit of a flop, really. So then what did I do? I turned to Amazon and listed in, listed them on Amazon, cheaper mm-hmm. than anything else that was close to the design of the product. And then it started selling through there. But that was my first uh, kind of like, experience into e-commerce it's just like it is the worst <laughs> trying to source a product trying to bring the product over yeah. putting the money up for it i didn't see a return on my investment for about two years
0: until and, you sold it every last
1: yeah exactly
0: whatever you called it yeah what would you but,
1: call it uh i'd say it was resistance ball okay that's what i was sold as <laughs> a resistance
0: i'd ball. love to hear from anybody that actually has one of these yeah uh, so would i the so if they're still stuck together yeah I don't. <laughs>
1: I had a few returns. I'm sure.
0: So, what did you learn from that whole process?
1: So, obviously, um, so after wait after that, I got obsessed with trying to build websites because I saw how like interesting it was trying to build that e-commerce site and that checkout function. And then I went into the world of tech and um, built multiple things from payment platforms to um, influencer marketing platforms to uh, like um, I had it like a Groupon like Mimic Mm -hmm. that I did like regionally and then also a social media website. So I taught myself to code and I was really bad at coding but I understand the principles to at least be able to work with good tech teams and um, it was from the learning from that I wouldn't kind of like come to the surface later on in life maybe like a couple of years ago when I thought actually that system can be like kind of revolutionized that that way of buying products yeah. and sourcing products to list on your store and then creating your store and then marketing that store is ready to just be like shaken up. So that's when like the idea of Mercator kind of came along, of which is um, to answer your first question.
0: Yeah. Uh, is, what it's, is
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> it it's, it's an e-commerce platform that does uh, all the kind of sourcing of uh, supplier products um, it's the marketplace where you go and search products and add those products to your store and then you can launch your store within minutes so the idea of it is i go on i want to be a seller um i sign up i'd name my store and then i go into the marketplace and then type in the products that I want to sell so let's say i want to sell um i don't know computer accessories i'll type in computer accessories and see a big list of computer accessories in there uh, from multiple different suppliers all around the world and then I'll start adding those products to my store, setting the retail price, you'll be shown the base price from the supplier and then um, I will then go and design my store very easy Um, and then I can launch and Makata takes care of everything, the checkouts, the payments, um, the add to cart, the customer accounts, everything like that so you just need to worry about telling people about your store. And then when the order comes into your store, uh, Mercato does the heavy work of forwarding that order onto the supplier. And then the supplier is responsible for fulfilling that product direct to the customer. So it's almost like a model similar to how Amazon works, where suppliers upload their products to Amazon mm-hmm. and then they let Amazon.com do the selling. Yeah. They upload their products to Mercato, but they let Anybody. the thousands of thousands of stores do the selling on behalf of them and everything is managed by the central platform.
0: And it really is that easy, because I uh, have successfully built Trishy Shop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's
1: a great start, great job.
0: Yeah, great brand. Um, (laughs) But you didn't go from your experience, from the Chinese experience, into Mercado. You went and did something else in between. Tell us a bit about that, and how the end came back full circle to Mercado.
1: Yeah, so it was um, after after the kind of... uh, the, that delivery of that Arctic lorry. <laughs> um, I, thought, I hope well, you've got
0: I, photos somewhere.
1: <laughs> I have, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll show you. Um, the, the, I, I still needed money. Uh, so I went and worked back on the the yachts. It was well mm. paid. It was tax-free. Um, back for your man? No, um, I actually uh, went up the Forbes 100 <laughs> 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 um, to a different um, guy who was a Russian guy. Uh, he had a 120-meter super and kind of worked for him and again it was being around these like really elite businessmen and women um i really learned quite a lot of lessons which just about the people is they just don't care like they just keep going forward and mm. keep trying to like get to the goal and almost like um it's a negative word but it's like obnoxious to what's happening on or naive mm. what's happening to oblivious. the outside world oblivious is probably the best word yeah um just just focusing on themselves and what they need to do to get to the end. So it was probably that, that I learned the most from them. So when you're on a boat, you're at anchor a lot and mm-hmm. you, um, you've got a lot of downtime. So, um, I was always playing around with like writing little applications for, uh, different things. And it was, uh, I worked with, um, a payment platform where I created contactless payments. Okay. Um, and, it was before Visa and MasterCard came out with contactless payments and I went into on my like month half, I went into Nottingham Trent University area and uh went round to all the bars and said, Look, we've got this I've got this site like, start up which is called Budgie Card, uh, which allows students to budget their alcohol spend on their on a payment card. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put in all these like, NFC little contactless terminals in. So I paid the initial expense for all these bars to get these contactless um, terminals. Integrated with the electronic point of sale system and did all this work. We launched to like quite a good amount of success, like 6,000 students all signed up. People were loading their cards. Four months later, Visa and Mastercard launched contactless payments. <laughs> they went in and ripped out all of the terminals and yeah. just made my whole business plan, which was they rent the terminals off me.
0: Yeah. Uh, useless. We don't need them though.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I got burned from that one, but a lot of lessons learned. Uh, Like things like I spent all the time in the start, like thinking about the brand, thinking about uh, the business plan, thinking about all these things that just didn't really matter when building a business. It was Mm. like um, a really naive approach to building a business uh, when I should have focused purely on the product. Mm -hmm. And um, so then when... Um I came back from working on the boats. I took a, a, a job working as head of digital at a um media publisher in London and uh completely lied on my CV by the way. Um
0: <laughs> sorry, that, media publisher in London.
1: Yeah, I said that I had a um, Seconds.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: no, they 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 knew because uh, this is funny. Um I um they, they were like a luxury media publisher. So I, I called up and said, look, I see you've got a job for an account manager. And they said, um, yeah, we have, but we require sales experience. And I went, um, yeah, okay. But like, I know about the luxury market pretty well, worked mm. like with some of like the, like the biggest ultra net worth individuals in the world. And like I was consumed and encapsulated in that world. And, uh, thank you, but no. And then, so I wrote them an email. said, so I think these are all the mistakes that you made. And then, um, I put my CV in and uh, I had a two one in business management on it and I didn't have a two one business management and um they hired me and um within like two weeks they were like you're not an account manager can you look after our like new digital products so I went into the head of the digital role uh worked there for about uh I don't know like nine ten months and it was while I was working there I was building hatch an influencer platform yeah and uh on my last day there they all had leave drinks for me. Um and sat with the CEO and the um like chief editor and they were like, Oh yeah, which uni did you go to go go to again? I, went, I didn't go to uni. I went, what? <laughs> you said you went to uni. I went, No, I didn't. He went, Yeah, you did. It's on your CV. I was like, Oh. Yeah, I didn't go to uni. But I still did the good job, right? And he was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um
0: That must have been bugging them though. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, but then um, it was while I was working there. I was finishing work there at like six pm, and then going to the Google campus mm-hmm. and working on my next startup, which was Hatch, which was an influencer marketing platform, which basically um, it allowed brands to go on there and create a campaign, um, which would invite anybody to come in and tweet about them. So it was like harnessing micro-influencers before mm-hmm. micro-influencers was actually yes. a thing. And, um, yeah, it, I, I, my tactic to try and sell that uh, was to go and speak to different social media agencies around the UK. I came up on the train, spoke to a social chain up in Manchester and said, hey, look, I've got this platform. Do you want to sell it to your clients? And then obviously get a kickback. And they um, uh, were like, yeah, we would you would you sell it all to us? And I went, like, What? Like, no, I'm I'm not trying to sell out my company. I'm trying to get business mm-hmm. with my company. And then um it was like, no, come on, like think about it, like w- why don't we use the technology? We want the technology here. So I says, Yeah, okay. And then I moved up to Manchester. Um, they um acquired Hatch and um yeah, the first client that Hatch's technology used was Apple Music. Um so yeah, we, we kind of like that kind of proved like that I can create things yeah. uh, like tech products, and then uh, I ended up working there as their kind of head of product for uh, a year and a bit. Um, and it was while I was there I came up with the idea of Macato. And here we are. And here we are.
0: Yeah. So the the whole um, startup journey for you it sounds like you've actually been through it three times, four times now. I'd say properly two fails, three fails.
1: Probably three times in kind of seeing something to an end. Yeah. A crash or a a success. (laughs) An (laughs) outcome of some sort. Yeah.
0: Um, There must have been some challenges and surprises along the way. Um, What are the things that stand out for you in in each of those experiences?
1: That's a difficult one. No no one cares is probably the biggest challenge. (laughs) What do you mean by that? So... You're setting up a startup, right? Um, your friends don't really care. Like, your family don't really care. Like, I think a lot of people that, um, especially if you're, you've are you been brought up in a world where you've got to get a job and you've got to make sure you're financially secure and that's mm. kind of, like, the main pressure in life. Um, I think when starting a startup, um, it's a big shock to your friends, like, yeah, what are you actually doing? yeah. Especially if you're me, uh, my friends would like look at me, oh, a new idea. Like, nothing's going <laughs> to happen go. with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my parents as well. But my parents weren't kind of pressurizing on that like, you need a job, you need to be secure because I always worked. I yeah. always found work. Your dad's but,
0: from a traditional background, but he has built his own business as well, right?
1: Yeah, like my uh, my dad uh, inherited uh, the business from my granddad. He inherited the business from my granddad, but then my dad grew it um mm-hmm. as big as it is. Um but I never saw that as an option for me to go into um that business. It was it's a caravan and leisure uh retailer. So mm. like it wasn't a business that I was interested in. It had no innovation about it. It was just literally uh buy something cheap, sell it for more. But like, more like, to do
0: with your dad's um understanding your own path.
1: Yeah, oh yes, yeah. I I I guess so. He probably thought that um you know, if he wants to go after it, go after it. There's no no pressure. I always had like a job or money mm. coming in elsewhere. So I guess. But the the thing is, in general, when trying to start a business or a startup, no one really understands what you're trying to do because mm. only you have the vision for what you want to build. Otherwise, everyone will be doing it. So that's probably the biggest uh, sense. I heard of an entrepreneur say it's quite lonely starting out, but I wouldn't say it's lonely because I had good friends around me but it was no one was sharing that vision yeah and you know like even the closest friends in the world I, the, the the beta link to Mikato I shared with them not one person signed up because it was like <laughs> don't
0: know what it is. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly like don't I'm not interested yeah. in that but they're interested in like me in the pub yeah so that's probably one of the difficult things you are on your own in the vision you're not necessarily on your own in terms of like a community and network yeah. of people that want to help you. But in terms of like what you're trying to build, it's you and you alone. And that's probably the hardest thing. And so how did
0: you overcome that?
1: Um, like, Just keep moving forward. Like if I, I... It was really hard getting the idea of Mercato rolling because what market I'm going after is... It is literally like Amazon's the competitor when mm. you look at the scale of that, their tech stack, or you look at the scale of their employees, or the scale of their business, the scale of their revenues, it is completely eclipsing the whole world, let alone you trying to get into that business as well. Mm. So, I um completely um just like I couldn't look at it as like this big bright light that like there's no way I'm going to get past that so I thought I'll just keep going forward and just keep on like ignoring the competition at the moment and just try to execute it in my way and I found that even the hard times of where in a previous startup I would have or a previous idea I would have quit or I would have gone no, I can -hmm. probably go make more money Working for someone elsewhere or, yeah. or like, this is making me feel uncomfortable. Oh, these hours are too long. I could have given into all of them, but I just thought if I just do a little bit every day, yeah, then maybe I can get to some point of traction. So
0: breaking say. it down into mm. smaller, smaller goals.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, right, right, today I'm going to do wireframing, right? Tomorrow I'm going to then do, like, platform flow. Then the next day I'm going to see if I can do my own UI. Oh, rubbish, <laughs> design. Okay, so let's see if I can get someone really cheap on Fiverr to help you with design. And just keep on, like, working mm. and etching off, like, this task Chipped list. Away. And the hard- actually the hardest thing as well as a founder is creating a task list. Like, if you go into a job, even... um like a mid management job, even a senior management job or like an intern job, you're given a task list instantly. Mm. This is your responsibility. This is what you need to do. Go do it. But when you're a founder, you're like, what is my responsibility? What is this gonna be? What what am I to, what's my to do list? And then you've got to invent jobs for yourself. Yeah. And I I would say that I'm not a naturally lazy person, but I'm like i'm definitely kind of like i'll t- try to do it the smart way rather than the hard way so <laughs> that's okay that's, maybe that's cute. just a nice way of saying maybe. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> uh,
0: do you still get stuff done that's the main thing
1: exactly so it's just like just make sure that you keep etching it off and doing like creating an intelligent to-do list and that's another really hard thing to do but it's something I did that helped me overcome that kind of process
0: that you put in place for yourself to make yourself move forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly.
0: Now we've all seen copious amounts of headlines saying that the high streets dying, town centers are dying. Um, What is the problem? Do you think with retail?
1: Um, So the issue with retail, so there's, there's two different, let's say consumer sellers. Or direct consumer sellers. There's brands, hmm. the traditional, so like Adidas, Nike, Prada, like, or th- these type of brands, and then you've got retailers, so like the Top Shops, the Sports Direct, John Lewis, like, and then name all the ones that have failed, in mm-hmm. and all of that. I think it's at fifty two percent of the Fortune five hundred from twenty years ago, is now gone. Really? Yeah. And that just shows you how staggering the kind of innovation, how staggering it is that if you fail to innovate, you will die. Yeah, and It's actually innovate or die right now. And the problem is that um, because of the internet and because of e commerce, brands have now got this ability to build their own e commerce sites and market direct to consumer. If you're going to buy Adidas, where are you going to go? You're going to go to adidas.com. Um, you're not going to go to um, Sports Direct.
0: Online. Online, yeah.
1: Because you're just going to type in Adidas and then you're going to see Adidas products and you're going to buy them. Yeah. And um, that's the what the ability is with um, brands now. They can just go direct to consumer. So, so tradition- brands
0: are competing with retailers. Is that yeah. kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah. And the, how retailers used to get brands like by the bulls, I would say, is they would say... Um, Oh, how do you sell your products? And say so we don't sell them yet because we've got no channel to maybe some stores, but brand stores are very rare. So retailers say, Hey, we get the foot traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, we can shift a hundred thousand units of your products. Like within two, two months. And then uh, the brands say, yeah, that's great. It gets my brand out there. It gets me revenue in, it gets this stock off my hands. Um, great, let's do a deal. So then the, the the retailers would then say, okay, give us it like one penny above cost, mm. or like just give it us a, a really really tight margin. So then brands are having to bend over and to these retailers and say, um, yeah, here you go. Here's at least I'm getting you know cash in instead of actual stock on premises. Yeah, and then that stock will then go to retailers. Then retailers would then sell that because they're getting all the foot traffic and brands are getting squeezed because they're not making good margin. But because of the internet, they can now market direct to consumer, they can put on whatever margin they want and make the sales.
0: They're cutting out the middleman.
1: So now they're looking at retailers saying, we don't need you. Right. Exactly, they're cutting out the middleman. So then retailers are now saying, we need products to sell. Um, And because we haven't got products, we're losing foot traffic. So they're losing their power in being able to sell, and they're losing the... um, exclusivity of like decent products. They're losing out on price as well because brands are saying, all right, you want my product now. You're going to have to buy it at, you know, close to retail. Yeah. And then you can put on your own like 10% or market in whatever way. Yeah. So now that, now the equation's switched. So then retailers either get left with um, post-season stock or they get left with like the lower kind of like items that aren't really like fast moving yeah. uh, items and th- they're just left with like stock heavy um and rent heavy kind of physical buildings and then even on their website they've cha- they failed to change their brand and connect with new customers and also that crosses with influencer marketing because brands have an ability to connect with individuals you wear Adidas on your t-shirt because you like the brand Adidas, but there's no way you'd wear Sports Direct on your T-shirt <laughs> because uh, you don't feel that brand. You feel that you, you don't want to wear John Lewis on your T-shirt, but you'll definitely wear like yes. Mulberry. Well, it's which like is, the
0: identity, you know, what you associate uh, with different brands. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So when it comes to working with brands or retailers, individuals want to work with brands. So that's why brands have a bigger pull for foot traffic at the moment. And that's what that's what's going wrong with that's retailers, both uh, in physical world and also in um, uh, in a digital world.
0: There's a there's a but I think there's a difference between higher value purchases and lower value ones. So, you know, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I'm in the process of buying a house, and right now the entire like amount of furniture that I have is a fit And nice. for anybody else that watches <laughs> my Facebook videos and Trish versus. I also have a shoe cabinet which I won't be taking to the new house so it's for sale. Keep an eye out folks. Nice. That's right. Get it on Trishy's shop. That's it. Get it on Trishy's shop. Um, I I have a I have a tendency to for all the research that I've done online and the amount of time I've spent on all the different websites I still want to go and touch and feel and see these products before I make decisions. You know, so I couldn't tell you I've probably sat on about 300 sofas in the last uh, three weeks. You know, same for beds, same for front, you know, all of that. I've, I've wanted to it's a more tactile experience. So, is there a place for is it is there is it influencing or affecting more different types of product,
1: um,
0: or is that just me being weird? No,
1: I think you're so right. I think if um, we definitely need a mix of physical and digital retail. Yeah, there, there's no way that physical retail no will ever solution. go. Everyone yeah. needs that. Um, one of the highest returned items is, is footwear. Um, because people need to try on shoes before they buy them, because yeah. like different shoes come in different kind of like size types, and uh, and that's one of the biggest issues with footwear returns. So returns of footwear is costing e retailers so much money um, because they've got to handle all these returns. Physical retail that's a lower return rate because try them on, they try them on and then leave. Same with uh, furniture. What if you look online and you order this sofa that is what, like... Uh,
0: Looks amazing. Years, you've I've seen amazing. loads.
1: Four years on finance. Yeah, I want to buy that. Um, and then you get this sofa and maybe it fits, but it's definitely the different shade of grey that you yeah. wanted in your... Or
0: uncomfortable.
1: Exactly. And that's the experience that you need. But this is where you've got to, as a retailer, then innovate again, or even a brand selling on the high street. You've got to innovate again, turn it into a customer experience, turn um, it into a reason for people to come to you. Like Mm. some of the the best, um, the busiest places on high streets now are um, the ones that used to look empty. It's like the World of Warcraft shops (laughs) where they've got a community of people that come together and then gaming shops as well because it's a place to meet with friends or a place to to be. Yeah. and that's what, uh, I'm not saying that, like, sofas can necessarily create a community out of people that love to sit down. But yeah. it's, it, you could definitely do something interesting to people It's a reason to be there to other than to
0: buy, buy the sofa. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. It's all about giving the customer value first. That's where
0: Toys R Us went wrong, isn't it? Locking uh, away all the toys. Yeah, that is... It, it let kids play. me.
1: Yeah, it, amazing. <laughs> That's the reason they went. Just so if you made it a place. Like, mom, can I go to Toys R Us? And you literally can spend. Put a coffee shop in there. Yeah. Uh, get the mums to go and sit down, have a crash where they can actually literally play with all of the returned item yeah. toys, the faulty toys that come back. Why not just stick them in there? Yeah. And then let the let the kids play. If if someone steals a couple of Lego bricks, who cares? <laughs> like. At least you've got people in your shop, yeah, <laughs> and and that's it's
0: guaranteed. If they've got a kid, they'll come out of. They'll have bought something, a hundred percent. But in all seriousness, though, what is the solution? How is retail evolution evolving, and where do you see it going?
1: Obviously, my solution is very heavy weighted towards Mercato, yeah, um, but. So the Mercato public platform is, how I explained at the start, is for the individual, for the 21-year-old me that was out there looking to try and set up an e-commerce store. It's very quick to go and be able to create a store, add products to it and launch. Yeah, But the the idea how we've built that is on a tech stack that is so scalable. We can literally handle millions and millions of product SKUs. It can handle... Um, and then on top of that, our product information platform can handle thousands of attributes for one product mm-hmm. extrapolated by a million of products. It's so extensive and expensive what the technologies that we've we've created so um just in doing that, it attracted some corporations so we've had um um someone approach us about um it's about six months ago and now and say, "Hey would you white label your platform as as a um what do you mean? He says, well, we've got this budget, and this budget was like six, um, uh, seven-figure uh, budget, uh, millions and millions. And I was like, for that many million, I'll do it. <laughs> and said it just off the cuff. And they were like, I think we need a proper chat. So then this is when Mercato Enterprise was born. Yeah. And um, so that, that contract did come off, and uh, we started creating, using our technology, as the core base to then go and build a bespoke um, solution, enterprise solution for these guys. Um, and then fast forward another six months, uh, we've uh, done another deal as Eight. well. Uh, and we have like three or four more in, in, in Irons in the Fire, which has taken to us our revenues to be several, several million within the first six months. So it was this technology that really excites retailers. Uh, to them think, oh, maybe we can we can fight back against the brands. Yeah, and so
0: and these uh, are retailers that are looking for the solution, not the brands.
1: Yeah, well, we we can work with brands as well because we have very strong e-commerce tools, uh, like a, a, a full suite of e-commerce tools that can compete with the likes of Shopify and Magento. However, it's the marketplace system that has attracted the retailers. Mm. Okay, so let, let's um, look at the buying process of so someone like John Lewis. So I've created um some luxury furniture, right? Um outdoor furniture. It's made out of like decent oaks. It's uh, it's really nice design. Um and I think it would look really good in John Lewis. So I have to pick up the phone and try and call John Lewis. No one answers. So then I then further into my search I would figure out oh maybe I've got to go to a buying agent. Mm. And you go to a buying agent and then you've got to pitch to these buyers. Um uh, no, pitch to this agency that has connections to buyers in John Lewis. So then you're doing one pitch and then they say, yeah, we like it. So then they sign you and then they say, okay, we'll go and sell this into John Lewis for you, but we want 20% of the cut or mm-hmm. whatever. And then they, then you're like, okay, I can do that at the moment. And then John, then they sell it into John Lewis and then John Lewis buyer cyber says no. And then you have to restart the whole process again and maybe pay a fee to the sellers, to the uh, yeah. agency. Um, or they say yes, but they say yes and say, I want it on your material cost. Now, if you're just like a small business that's built maybe a hundred sets of this nice uh, furniture, John Lewis might put in an order for a thousand and then say, yeah, but we're only going to pay you in, uh, I don't know, like 60 days after we sell out of all of them. And then you're like, well, where am I going to get the cash to build a thousand... Like yeah. uh items. So then that kind of already puts the new brand, the furniture brand, under stress, financial stress and also yeah. like resource. So then um that's the traditional process. What Mercato allows people to do is to list their products on a marketplace. Let's say um John Lewis creates a marketplace function yeah. to johnlewis.com dot com or johnlewispartners.com. I think they're rebranded. Then um, a marketplace where I, the furniture person, uploads my products to John Lewis Marketplace and um, I can put in like all the product information, all of my product images, and then it's there for a review for someone at like John Lewis to say, oh, we've got a new supplier on board. And then we've got, um, and they've got this shipping options. They ship direct from their warehouse, direct to consumer. Um, they also, um, they put in their products on for X amount of pounds at a base, they are recommending that it gets retailed at this price um, and all all of this, then um, John Lewis can either approve it or disapprove it or they can disapprove it and say, hey, uh, you just need to change this about this product and then maybe we'll accept it. Now then what that does is a new product is very quickly and frictionless uh, experience to get a new product onto John Lewis. John Lewis can either um, have an area for marketplace, or they can put it into their main site, um, and then what happens there is the brand, the guy who's made all these, uh, the guy/girl who's made all these chairs mm. and tables, they go and tell all of their followers, all of yep. their fans, all their customers, "Hey, we're selling on John Lewis." So then John Lewis capture a new audience of people because they're coming in there to buy from, you know, yeah, uh, Jack Jones furniture merchants, yeah on John Lewis Partners. So what did John Lewis get a benefit out of? One, they get customers hitting their site, they're adding something to their cart, where John Lewis can then recommend something else being added to the cart. They're also owning that customer for future retargeting and future uh, marketing. Um, And then also they're they're enhancing their inventory as well. They're offering more products on it. And they're getting the buyback from the brand as well. Brands are starting to trust retailers again. Yeah. So that's what our platform will allow people to do is to, uh, retailers to do, is to build this marketplace element and then also power that marketplace by a really strong e-commerce offering on the front. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So can will any, will any brand, I suppose, or anybody that's making something that they want to sell online, will they be able to do that through Mercado? Could
1: they do it through the credit? Um well yeah, so if it's a, a retailer, they would have to it, it's it's more of an enterprise solution. So yeah. all retailers want different things. So um the way we work with retailers in the past, um one of our guy one of our partners, they've um they've got like twenty five different e commerce stores, mm-hmm. but they want one central marketplace where people can upload their products to the central marketplace and then their buyers can choose which store they put it into, their Brazilian store, okay. their US store, their yeah. Canadian store, their UK store. Um, and that's the way they're working with it. Um, but then again, like because it's a white-labeled solution, it will no longer be Mercato. So in John Lewis's case, it will yeah. be John Lewis's platform. And then brands will then go to John Lewis and say, I want to become a supplier. Yeah. And then they'll supply to John Lewis.
0: But it'll exist on... It will be powered stack. by
1: our engine. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. So yeah, <sighs> it sounds phenomenal. I've I have seen it over the over the twelve months, and I it, it just continues to astound me and what uh, how quickly things are evolving for you. So for someone that was starting out um, with their e-commerce journey today, you know many um, people are thinking about a variety of different uh, businesses and opportunities. So if somebody was thinking about a, a retail, an online retail business or had a product they wanted to sell, mm-hmm. what would be your advice? Obviously, you set it up on Macarto, but apart, but apart from that, what would be your kind of key pieces of advice for people that are starting out like you were all those years ago?
1: One of, one of the most frustrating things about... Um Starting an e-commerce business is doing all the work, uh, setting up your store, designing your store, and launching to no sales. And then um, your either subscription that you're paying or your effort and time that you put into building it just yeah. all seems for nothing. And it's very um, like soul destroying. Yeah, it, it is. It's like I've, because even if you've just done a couple of hours a night for a week, mm-hmm. or it takes ten minutes to set up a Mercato store. But let's say you did it somewhere else.
0: Built your own or whatever,
1: yeah, and it, you you built your own somewhere else on Shopify or Magento. And it's taken you a couple of weeks, maybe a bit of cash investment to get it get it built and designed. Even at the end of it, you, you're kind of like it's it's everything to you at that point mm. in, in your head. It's you know it's your site, it's your store, it's your way you're going to make money. It's this is this is a start of a new beginning, launch and then nothing and no sales and. Um, so, what what I would recommend to people is like really find a product niche, find products that are maybe trending at the at the moment, and there's loads of tools online for saying like what's trending at the moment so for example, if um you heard of this thing called a fidget spinner before <laughs> anyone else did, you'd be like, "This is great, I could sell these online, yeah, and then create fidget spinners a store, and then um you could then you'd then be ahead of the trend, yeah. But even if you've got that halfway through the trend, you're still going to be able to sell it, uh, sell some. So it's really important to um, keep an eye out of what's trending. Uh, I know someone with a light bulb store. Like, he literally sells light bulbs. Yeah, because cool
0: light bulbs are in the minute.
1: Yeah, it wasn't even that. Alternative ones. It wasn't even that. It was just... uh, He did have some smart light bulbs in there, but it was just light bulbs.
0: (laughs) Just regular People
1: always need light bulbs. So when you search light bulbs in... Either um, Amazon or you search on Google, and he had his light bulbs there. Yeah, but he was getting all the sales, and he he made hundreds of thousands out of it. So it's it's really important just to. It's like choose. the opposite
0: end, isn't it, of what I was describing in the kind of the sofa experience? Is that you know it's a high value product, it's a it's a long lasting product, whereas. Mm-hmm light bulbs are low cost and low lifespan so you don't spend any time you're so the just like it's consideration looking for convenience. to buy It's yeah. just
1: like I want it and I yeah. can get it done. yeah you're right
0: yeah
1: and that, and that's the thing like so um I've seen people um create Mercato stores so um just for um for the record Mercato public platform isn't live at the moment because we've done a huge update on it over the last couple of months and we'll be relaunching the live platform in the next couple of months um okay. from now However, the old uh, Mercato, we had someone on um, on the beta, we had someone set up a store and just added like 3,000 products to their store. <laughs> and uh, when I did my calls, calling around to all different people that have Mercato stores just to get some feedback, I was like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and it takes, it, like to it takes add 3,000 products, yeah. it's not like a select all ad. It's yeah. individually add, then assign a price, then... And yeah, select yeah. the images that you want to enter the description and then add that to product. They add that product to store. They must have took them hours and hours to add all these products. I still can't
0: imagine did, someone spending
1: hours and hours doing. It. He um, it was just like, I just got excited. I just wanted to sell everything. I thought it could be the new Amazon. I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, how have you marketed it? Because I can see you've had no sales. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I just, uh, I shared it on my Facebook page. Page like, so, okay, how many friends have you got on Facebook? He says like, uh, like 180. So, okay, right. So, look, let's try and figure out a proper marketing campaign to actually get you going. So mm. then we work together to try and get him some sales. Um, but I think he was just too dejected that he added 3,000 products to his store yeah. and didn't get any sales. So he kind of he dropped off and wasn't really retained in the long run. And that, that's what I would say to people setting up a new store is just uh, choose a niche. Uh, choose prices that work for your brand that you're trying to build Uh, be careful with design a a lot of e-commerce platforms including our own offer a huge array of design tools but don't make a bright pink background with bright yellow text and like uh, a logo that you've just searched on Google like you've got to put some care and effort and time into it so choose your niche take your time Um, imagine what the way you would shop so what was the experience that made you buy something in Amazon.com? Or like, mm. So um, and use that as a reference to what your potential customers were like. Um, and then uh, make sure you've got like a decent marketing campaign lined up. It's really easy. PPC or uh, Facebook ads. It's really easy to get an ad going. You can just search on YouTube just for like kind of how-to videos. So just take your time and just do it properly.
0: Do some testing. Do some AV testing on your ads.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. On your, on your ads, uh, definitely, um, and even on your your buyers' experience. If people are clicking on uh, images of products on your your site that have a white background, as opposed to uh, lifestyle product images like that have like green backgrounds, yeah. then obviously that's going to tell you something.
0: Yeah, we had um, Melanie Daniel from La Redoute last week um, talking about the user experience and the UX journey and how important that is—that seamless digital oh, yeah. experience. Yeah, definitely. But it sounds like you have it all uh, taken care of for us, which is great.
1: I don't. Have, yeah, I'd say about it. We we go through because of the enterprise size side of the business. Um, yeah. um, a lot of our menus are required for staff of like eighty, ninety people using it, rather than one, one. Uh, a one man band kind of thing setting yeah. up a store. So we've had to change all the UX to work for them, and the menus go much deeper. So we've had to have a real fresh approach to so ux is quite an exhausting idea at the moment mm. uh, but we've got a, an incredible ux and ui designer called sophie so she's uh she's doing a really good she's job magic yeah another way that enterprise customers uh can use micato is on the public platform we have this pro uh offering as well which if you're a, a well-established brand or um e-commerce seller uh you can uh, migrate away from your Magento or migrate away from your Shopify and set up your store um, on Mercato. Now, um, if it gets included into the Mercato, um public platform, then it's going to be self-hosted. But we have the ability where um, customers can take their instance of Mercato, their store, and then put it on their own um, servers as well. And we've partnered with UK Fast to be able to do that as well.
0: So Mercato public We'll relaunch again in a few months.
1: Yeah. It, it, so I would say in the next couple of months, we had to take a break because um, we were growing really fast on the public platform. Thousands and thousands of users um, started joining, adding products to the store. And we had this thing called a, a Mercato Seller Network. So you don't even have to add products to your store from our marketplace. You can upload your own products and then add them to
0: the marketplace
1: and there were some like uh issues that came out of that so someone literally just i don't know if they're trolling us or they just started uh they took pictures of under their sink of different cleaning items (laughs) like a cloth (laughs) selling it for (laughs) 19 (laughs) pounds and um like literally like half used dish soap (laughs) It, like it was, <laughs> I still don't know who it was
0: yeah um, it wasn't they me got
1: sales as well it was crazy <laughs> but then they published them to the seller network right um, I'd love if they were listening to this podcast to yeah. say I know who you are no I don't know who you are but
0: <laughs> please tell me who you I are I know
1: what you did <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah uh, it's, it uh, wasn't me it,
0: it wasn't, wasn't you yeah, are you shopped. sure yeah it's, I wouldn't
1: Ah, it was when you were leaving your house at uh, your old apartment that you <laughs> thought... that i right, just selling everything.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's what it was like. So was literally use it like eBay. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, and, uh, but eBay don't stop that. You can sell half a toilet roll yeah. on eBay. And if someone buys it, they buy it. But we had, I'd say, over 200,000 products live on the platform. Um, so the approval process for products just wasn't built. Yeah for us. And then also we were getting because of the mass amount of users, the feedback was growing as well. So they're yeah. saying, hey, can we get this feature? Can we get this feature? This isn't working for me. Can you do this? So we I was doing a lot of time on the phone supporting these guys and girls just to help them get going. but I spent a lot of the time saying, Yeah, that, that feature's coming. So yeah. Uh, so I just sent an email it out to on. all of the users saying like, hey guys, uh, I'm really sorry. I'm just gonna have to put things on hold um we don't feel like we're giving you an honest representation of what we see the product to be mm-hmm. um this was a beta test and it's gone very well but it's um yeah it's not been um we're not giving you the honest technology that you deserve as sellers yeah so um knowing what we've already built now for the relaunch it was a million miles apart so who knows we could grow at the same scale or maybe that raw beta <laughs>
0: was the product <laughs> and uh,
1: <laughs> scaled really well
0: well but, this is all about testing and learning
1: exactly exactly but i feel like the new um new platform will be giving people the the um, tools to sell whereas previously it gave people the tools to set up their store
0: yeah. and
1: access to suppliers
0: but didn't but actually we,
1: yeah didn't give enough sell. to sell and so that's what the new new platform focus is so yeah
0: well, it sounds like you're well on your way to giving everybody the opportunity to become their own entrepreneur.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I Definitely. look forward to seeing that uh, launch in the next uh, couple of months. We hope that's answered um, some questions for um, entrepreneurs who are um, in that e-commerce journey at the minute. Um, you can leave your questions and comments on our SoundCloud or iTunes accounts. Um But for now, we hope that gives you a better night's sleep. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.